1: corn? Popped corn? Why, yes. Is anything at all the matter?
2: Bach, we are watching the extended edition
1: of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So you're saying I should have popped two bowls of popped corn? I mean, you should have had so many more than two bowls, but
2: no, what I'm saying is we need Kleenex, tissues, handkerchiefs, anything with a soft and absorbent surface with which to dry our tears.
1: Will there be lots of crying then, sir? Oh my gods! I thought you said you've seen this before! I did. I mean, I have. It's just been a while.
2: Well, strap in, my Vulcan friend, because you're about to experience weeps like you've never weeped before. Oh my. Yeah, let's start the show.
1: Hi, friends at home. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I'm not ready?
3: Yeah, that's real.
2: Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist.
0: I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to... I don't mean to. Oh, Sam.
1: What did you think? I don't think I popped enough corn. <laughs> there's, there's not enough corn to pop in the world. <laughs> to not, to to not give in to the weeps. Oh God, no. But in all seriousness, <laughs> this time around, I I can't remember one the last time I have cried this hard. Just like in recent memory mm. and i definitely did not cry this hard when i saw it the first time around in fact i don't I, like and i i sort of am like nervous to admit this but you know if you can't if if you can't be honest here in the safe space <laughs> of the starship therapy, <laughs> the then safe where, space. where can you be honest right um i didn't really like this movie too much the first time i saw it uh, well wh- Huh? Yeah, I know. It's, it's something that I just don't talk about very much. Could
2: could you say more about what you didn't like about it back in the day? Clearly, you like it now, so back in I the don't day. have any beef
1: with you. But. You know, something we were <laughs> t- <laughs> something we talked about as we were like getting prepped uh, earlier today for the pod jogged like a memory screw loose because mm-hmm. I was t- talking about how affected I was by Gimli this this time around, and I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm certain that as we talk more about him, I will get choked up at least once, if not five times. But in the original, the first time I saw it, I remember just being like very confused by Gimli and frankly feeling like he was just (sighs) like, I feel like he was a caricature. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like he wasn't a great portrayal or what's the word I'm looking for? It felt like they were really engaging in Jewish stereotypes in an unaware way. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that made me upset.
2: Yeah, no, I, I get that. And what, what I said to you mm-hmm. was, that makes sense to me. Because in the original cinematic release, Gim- Gimli is very much a caricature. It's You have to see the extended edition to get all of the nuance of Gimli's character. Yes. It's like when whoever was managing Peter Jackson and had to edit <laughs> was like, what are you willing to lose, Peter? Oh. And he was like, nothing. And they were like, you have to lose something. He was like, well, I guess this stuff where Gimli has emotions. <laughs>
1: in in my real person fan fiction of Peter Jackson or PJ, um, <laughs> he is like, I portray him as this like really earnest lovable person who's just mm-hmm. like unaware of lots of things including <laughs> why it would be problematic to cut all of the emotional development scenes for Gimli <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't need those those are not necessary right yeah and yeah it would not have occurred to you know, real person fanfic PJ why that would have been you know walking into fire hmm well, and I remember,
2: lots of people had that issue when the when the film came out. Yeah, they're like, "Ugh, what did they do to Gimli? Like, he's just a, you know, it's it's like he's a fall guy, you know, like he's the he he's a prop comic, right?
1: <laughs> Which they also do with Marion Pippin. I feel like, like they're just mm-hmm. these, like, I don't know, getting into scrapes. The funny guys,
2: yeah. That doesn't bother me actually because no, me neither. They need so much room for character development over the the course of the story mm-hmm. that we kind of need them to start off as scapegraces,
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: so that you know by the end oh, we're yeah. like, oh
1: god, the growth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah, the growth. No, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, verklempt just thinking about the growth. um
2: yeah so we we titled this episode uh winter solstice with the sages Mm -hmm. and um i i I would like us to start sure if we could Mm -hmm. with the with the main sage of
1: fellowship of the ring saruman (laughs) (laughs) uh i was gonna go with gandalf (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes i know i was just trying to be funny <laughs> like you know Marion and pippin
2: <laughs> but you're not wrong mm-hmm. because like and here's the thing friends these books are very old and these movies are about 20 years old God, so we're not even so putting weird. a spoiler alert on this like if you
1: <laughs> yeah no we're not Mm-mm.
2: if you don't know what happens in lord of the rings Perhaps now is the time.
1: Right. You know, and if but- I, I don't like to do this a lot, because I don't ever want someone to feel like you, they don't belong here, because you do, you belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place for you in the Starship Therapies. And if you're here and you're like, huh, Lord of the Rings, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. I just have a lot of questions, you know, I want to know more. I'm very curious. I'm channeling my capital S self and i'm very mm-hmm. curious i want to know more about like what brings you here and 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 uh you know like how have you missed lord of the rings and would you be interested in learning more about them i hope that you are because that's you know the main subject of this podcast or like this episode at least <laughs> this
2: this particular episode yes. yes um and i mean if you're not familiar with gandalf i i think that's that's a that's a character that's worth knowing Mm -hmm. especially if you're interested in archetypes and especially if you are interesting
1: interested in sage archetypes yes he very much fits the sage archetype well and it's occurring to me that maybe let's take like two steps back okay and do some do some like very brief definitions so archetypes are um They're ideas that live in what we call the collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. As I'm doing this, I'm like, wow, how much of this am I going to explain? Okay, we're going to do like the elevator pitch version. Once upon (laughs) a time, there's a man named Sigmund Freud. Once upon a time, there's a man named Carl Jung. Once upon a time, there's a woman named Sabina Spillerine. Sabina, honey, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I'm so sorry. Ooh, I got to take that back. Sabina, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, I do that with everyone. It's really nothing personal. (laughs) So these three humans and a bunch of other people in, like, Germany, Switzerland, and Russia, um, in and around, like, the early, early to mid, like, 1900s, were doing this new thing called psychoanalysis. And they sort of stumbled upon this idea of the conscious and unconscious bifurcation of the human mind. Conscious mind is in charge of things like your calendar and having conversations and getting things done in your to-do list. Your unconscious holds all kinds of repressed emotions, feelings, experiences that you're connected to, but that you have limited to no awareness of. The collective unconscious is all of that except for everyone, like all human beings have a connection to this big repository of emotions and instincts and narrative stuff. And Mm -hmm. Jung was like, let's call that narrative stuff archetypes. And I would say like, okay, what did he mean by that? He meant that there are these symbols of characters that exist through time that we can track all the way back to the collective unconscious. But like straight Jungians would be like, no, 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 you can't, Use the word symbols because Jung said that symbols <clears throat> were not archetypes. <laughs> and to that I say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like symbols can oh. hold an archetype, but an archetype mm-hmm. exists beyond the symbol that holds it. Kind of like a glass of water. Mm-hmm. The glass holds the water, but the glass is not water.
2: Yeah. Um, and if if anyone's like that was... Um... That that was too much history for me. Here, here, here's the here's the Kirk version. Mm-hmm. So it might feel a little bit woo to think that there are ideas that could be passed down from human to human, that they exist in kind of this, you know, ether all around us. Um and I'm just I'm gonna go to the science route and remind you that epigenetics has shown us that we can pass trauma down from generation to generation it's literally in our genes and there's no reason to think that we can't pass down good shit too um you know <laughs> in the same way that animals pass down a a vast amount of knowing yes we we can do that too mm-hmm. um and uh J- joseph campbell one of our favorite thinkers a mythologist um tr- Track this across time, across space, so that, you know, folks who could never possibly have talked to each other have the same sorts of origin stories mm-hmm. for their world. And that's because we, we kind of innately
1: have these right. ideas. Because we're all connected genetically,
3: collective unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So... There you go. That was a good show. That was great.
1: We're done now. We're just going to, no, we're not done. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully one or both of those definitions have helped here. Um, to get, like, back closer to where we started with all of this, the sage archetype is really the mm-hmm. focus of where we're at today. And the sage is the wise old figure. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, the crone. Mm-hmm. Or the wizard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In this case, it is literally a wizard. Literally a wizard, um, with Gandalf <laughs> and with Saruman, mm-hmm. and with whoever uh, Gladriel's husband. As I don't recall his name, but get, Gladriel too is very much um, uh, channeling the sage archetype or an emblem of the sage archetype.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't they don't visually make her a crone, but we know that elves live for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So we we are to infer that she is also and like sages don't always have to be old
1: no they don't they are often connected with age because they're wizened and you know in ancient times to be wise meant having spent like having collected the wisdom from a lot of different experiences
0: not
2: to mention, I mean, life was not that long. No. And if you had managed sure. to keep your physical form on this mortal plane for a long time, like, you probably got some smarts. You weren't, you weren't eaten by anything. You didn't fall down any holes. Right.
1: Well, and like, to your point, a long time back in the day was like, you know, 34. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, wow. wise wise old sage <laughs> of 34? Because, um, you know, life was we just live shorter lives for so many different reasons in mm-hmm. in ancient times. Ooh, and I did want to add one more thing, which is psychoanalysis in particular. And I do think really like all of I would say all of psychotherapy and I would invite philosophy into this too. Part of what it is attempting to do is attempt to unpack these generational this generational wisdom, these generational gifts. Mm-hmm from the collective unconscious that we have inherited across time and space so Mm -hmm. that we have more awareness and then more choice about how we're moving through the world
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yes and that and that is going to become very important as we continue talking
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um yeah i'm actually i'm really glad that you brought up saruman because that's not a character that i think no but really because that's not a character that i'm like that's a sage, but like he is, he like is. he's the head
0: mm-hmm.
2: of Gandalf's order. Yeah, and and Gandalf goes to, like we we look to Gandalf to be the
1: sage, right? And that's the sage's sage. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point that like Gandalf has someone that he looks to too, mm-hmm. and that person betrays him hardcore. Yeah, and that oh, it
2: you know we don't get to. We don't get to explore the inner workings of Gandalf's mind around that mm-hmm. or his feelings. But th- that would just be where my mm-hmm. mind goes mm-hmm. is very much like guru worship. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this uh, a little while ago when we did our Nexium app. Um... <laughs> mm-hmm. But that, you know, you have to choose your sages wisely mm-hmm. because they they can really let you down. Yeah. And if you've put a lot of faith in them that's
1: that's traumatic it is that's that's attachment wounding Mm -hmm. well this is interesting i didn't necessarily envision us going here today but nonetheless here we are and that's the nature of adventuring there's all kinds of spontaneity involved Mm -hmm. um which is that with one of the challenging parts about the sage or someone who Mm -hmm. channels the sage is that Let's stick with Saruman and Gandalf. Saruman clearly is an experienced, wizened
0: Mm -hmm. being.
1: Lots of knowledge, lots of skills, lots of abilities. Mm -hmm. Clearly not a perfect being, not the holder or knower of all things. Mm -mm. And yet, at least in my reading and interpretation of the dynamic as presented both in the films and the books, it feels like Gandalf puts him on a bit of a pedestal. Mm-hmm, for sure. And that not only like have they known each other for a long time, and there's lots of trust and faith that has been built up over time, there's also a way in which Gandalf has perhaps like projected some of the sage archetype onto Saruman, his friend and mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such that he's it it makes it then hard for him to see the very sort of human well he's not human the very like fallible wizard that mm-hmm. saruman is capable of all kinds of things including good and evil but because yeah. gandalf has this he's gandalf has, has he sees his mentor and his friend in this one particular way and is now also confusing his friend for the sage archetype He's maybe missing some things about Saruman, right? And and that's so interesting because
2: I wrote one note when we were watching this, and the one oh. note that I wrote: sages don't know everything; they have their own fears. Mm. And I wrote that about Gandalf, yeah, and um, and and his fear of the Balrog, mm. um, yeah, but. It absolutely works with Saruman, because, you know, Saruman saw that, the, you know, the Dark Lord's returning, and he wants to be on the side of winning. Yeah, and surviving. Mm-hmm. No, that's a much better
1: way to say it. It's not that he wants to win, it's that he wants to live. He wants to live. And, like, it does feel like over the course of the almost four hours that we spend, <laughs> <laughs> with these folks um, that that shifts for Saruman over the arc mm-hmm. and I think they do a really nice job in portraying that Um, and like it's not that there's a ton of moments but I did feel like this time through again because I was watching the complete version
0: mm-hmm. or the
1: unedited one well I mean it was edited but the one that wasn't like cut for time that's what I mean to say mm-hmm. That I did feel like I could see some of the turns there with Saruman. Like when Gandalf mm-hmm. rejects what Saruman is saying, there's real sadness for Saruman. And, there's, and he's afraid mm-hmm. for his friend. He's like, you mm-hmm. don't understand. You're not seeing this. If we don't align ourselves with the Dark Lord Sauron, we're all going to be toast. Mm-hmm. And I had some real empathy for Saruman. You know, and then flash forward like maybe like an hour, hour and 10 minutes later, and he is creating like these super mega orcs and putting the his Rookai. his white handprint on them. <laughs> which we'll get into the problematic things that PJ was doing there perhaps later. But once we were there and like all this like glee seemed to be flashing in Saruman's eyes, then I felt like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we've we've transitioned from really wanting to survive to now this kind of like warped sense of success and winning
2: Mm -hmm. well he's you know Saruman at that point now he has a new sage
0: oh yeah
2: you know now he is being guided and informed by Sauron
1: who I mean dude's ancient (laughs) he sure is (laughs) He's so old that he's just a one, all-seeing eye now. <laughs> this is reminding me of when I saw it the first time, and I was like, I hadn't read the books. How mm-hmm. I made it to being a teenage Spock and I hadn't read the books is just baffling to me looking back now. But I had, mm-hmm. you know, life. Fascinating. Um, and I remember watching watching this first movie being like, I wonder when we get to meet Sauron. <laughs> I wonder- Sauron shows up. I wonder what he shows up. I wonder what he's wearing.
2: <laughs> oh my god, That's amazing.
1: Yeah, like like Voldemort, right? It's just exactly. <laughs> I was like, who's going to portray him? Who will they cast? <laughs> will it, Will it be Ralph Fine? Right.
2: Or his doppelganger, Liam Neeson? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's literally so many choices.
2: no oh god that's so great yeah but we we very much are informed by our sages Mm -hmm. and we kind of start to mimic them a bit
1: well i mean that's the whole basis of marriage and family therapy right the powers of of relationships and systems Mm -hmm. of relationships yeah and
2: and this brings me to what was just a completely eye-opening experience watching this film this time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I have I haven't watched this in at least a year. The last time I watched it was to write a yoga quest, so oh, oh. I wasn't watching it for emotion. Sure. I was watching it for detail. Where do the yeah? Where do the warrior twos go? Uh, spoilers <laughs> everywhere. Uh- <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so this is probably the first time in several years I've watched. Like just to be with it. Um and specifically watching for the purpose of we're gonna talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It was I had invited this lens that I had never used to watch the films before. Cause they, you know, the and we only watched Fellowship. We are going to watch the next two, mm-hmm. but you know, you gotta space that shit out right. unless you're gonna marathon. Yeah. Um <laughs> and Historically I have watched them as like this is a this is a big comfort meal for me. Mm. Like if if fandom is food, this is this is like
1: mashed potatoes?
2: It's like mashed potatoes, Mm. yeah. But like with all the butter and maybe some sour cream and like it's it's all the coziness. Fun I don't fun fact
1: about mashed potatoes. Brown that butter, my friends. Put that butter in a saucepan and just keep stirring, not nearly constantly, like Smitten Kitchen says. Just do it constantly until that butter (laughs) is brown. Pour it on your, like, potatoes that you've mashed. Chef's kiss. Okay. No, sorry for the interruption. Please continue. (laughs) No, it's okay. (laughs) I'm just,
2: I'm painting a picture of, like, how Lord of the Rings for me is, like, being wrapped up in a weighted blanket. Mm. And handed a big delicious bowl of mashed potatoes and like, just, here you go, little burrito baby. Like, it's just, it's all comfort. (laughs) And so I've never really watched for the critical eye. And that's mostly on purpose because, you know, we talked about this just recently on a pod. Mm -hmm. That, you know, sometimes you just, like, we just need to watch this without having any critiques. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because this is my weighted blanket mashed potato, all right. <laughs> and <it laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and so I was I wasn't going into it like I'm gonna look for every tiny thing to critique, but I was like, you know, pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some really defined themes that jumped out to me this time, and the one um, you know we were messaging mm-hmm. throughout. And I was like, oh, my God, this entire trilogy is the
1: tale of unburdening legacy burdens. Tell the people what that means, because I need to be honest. (laughs) Even I, when you messaged me that, I was like, I know that this means something important. But then I had to, like, (laughs) you know, through my tears, dab those away and then pause and be like, "Okay, what does this connect to? And spoiler alert, this is from IFS. Tell the good people, friend, what does this mean?
2: Yeah, so we we use this language in the greater marriage and family therapy world, which is transgenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. And I just used it a little bit ago when I was talking about epigenetics, like trauma is passed down, It's passed down in our genes, and it's passed down in the way that we live. So, you know, uh, Boromir um, was passed down trauma from Denethor, his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and... My guess is, actually, no, no. Let's, let's, let's use Aragorn.
1: Okay. Yeah, because that's going to be a better one, because Aragorn's trauma goes all the way back to Isildur. It does. And importantly, and I'm glad you shifted from Boromir to Aragorn, Aragorn, I believe, like, he didn't know, he didn't have, like, a lived experience with his dad. So his issues were not like we couldn't even maybe like say, well, some of this was from modeling and teaching and learning Mm -hmm. lived experiences with present Papa. That didn't happen for Aragorn. He lost both his parents when he was quite young. And yet he has so much fear and worry. Mm -hmm. And I would even say some self-loathing about what Isildur did all those generations ago. Mm-hmm. and he holds it as if it belonged to him and in a way right. it does because this never got resolved when something isn't ever exactly. resolved or healed it passes to the next mm-hmm. person in the in, in in the generational lineage as like here mm-hmm. can you complete this a less fun version would be like it's a jigsaw puzzle that great great grandfather began and never finishing. So that he gave it to his son, who gave it to his son, who gave it to his son, until here's Aragorn with the jigsaw, the jigsaw puzzle piece of that sword that's on the altar.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's beautiful imagery. And imagine that this jigsaw puzzle causes you a lot of distress. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not... You're not like, yay! My turn. My turn. My turn to complete the jigsaw puzzle of kittens playing with a yarn ball. No, 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 no. It's like a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> of that final moment when like Isildur chops off the hand of the dark lord and the <laughs> ring falls and he's holding it and then the gleam happens in his eyes and mm-hmm.
0: you're like, "Oh
1: no. He's not going to do it. <laughs> he's not going to do the right thing."
0: Mhm. Yeah.
2: Well, and So in IFS, they use the language of legacy burdens, which is really, it's this, it's what we're talking about. Like something you have that causes you a deep pain that is not yours. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is that jigsaw puzzle. It is that horrifying jigsaw puzzle that you're like, this isn't mine. This was given to me. Right. And I was told it was mine. But it doesn't have to be mine. Mm -hmm. And I can be the one to decide that this jigsaw puzzle doesn't need to be completed.
1: Well, is that it? Or is it that you can find your own... Because there is completion involved.
3: Yes. I guess what I'm saying is you were were handed this thing. Mm -hmm. And... You can
2: identify this isn't mine.
3: Yes.
1: Well, okay, going along with this, maybe what you're saying is if you look at this jigsaw puzzle and you're like, listen, this has been passed down all these generations. I'm picturing Aragorn looking at this jigsaw puzzle of (laughs) Isildur, and he's like, I don't want to complete this puzzle,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: what do I do with it? Right. Perhaps Arwen would look at him and say, have you considered composting? (laughs) (laughs) Let's compost this jigsaw puzzle. All in elvish. Then Arwen might come to him and say, have you thought about composting it? She would say this (laughs) in her wonderful, somewhat breathy, sort of melodic tones, Mm -hmm. half in English, half in one of the elven languages in which she is totally Mm -hmm. fluent (laughs) <laughs> and then they would take it to some, like, beautiful elven urn where the composting happens. Mm-hmm. He would put the jigsaw puzzle in there. It would begin to compost, and then he could grieve. hmm Yeah, and I, I love that this is where your mind went, because
2: in IFS, oh. uh, when you unburden, mm-hmm. so when you, you know, that, that deep pain... When that deep pain is ready to release, um, the, the self checks in with the deep pain, like, wh- where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. How do you want to kind of, how do you want to let go of this burden? Right. And it's almost always one of the four elements. Oh. And in fact, the way Dick Schwartz, when he does it, he actually offers up, do you, do you want to set it on fire? Or do you want to send it up in the air? Do you want to bury it? Like he offers. Sure. Them. Wow. Um, other other ifs practitioners don't don't dig on that but even if you don't offer it usually somebody goes with
1: one of the four elements yeah i mean that makes sense like dick feels he seems pretty woo mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like i wouldn't be surprised if like you know in his downtime he calls the corners <laughs> and my real person fanfic of dick schwartz he definitely calls the corner <laughs>
2: I like the idea of him being kind of witchy. Right. That's a little more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we we ask, you know, hey, this deep pain part of me
3: that's been hanging on to this jigsaw puzzle, how do you want to let go of it? And how do you want to do things differently? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're doing it the
2: opposite. You're doing it differently. Yes. I think some people get caught up in like, I need to do things the opposite of how my ancestors did it.
0: You know, yeah.
2: like if if your parent was neglectful, you're like, I'm never going to neglect my child and you become this helicopter parent who like the child never feels free from.
0: Right. Which,
1: well, is, which is not better, actually. No. And like one of the things that all four of them, I think, would probably identify here is that dualities are not separate Mm -hmm. they are connected entities Mm -hmm. and so of course if you are doing the exact opposite of what you experienced from your parent Mm -hmm. you're still very much connected to that jigsaw puzzle
2: oh that's bowenian too Mm -hmm. that's what bowen would say very
1: bowenian yeah so you're not Mm -hmm. you're not getting distance and space and making a choice you're moving from that reactive place, that that continued place of transgenerational trauma that's that's mm-hmm. tied with this passing down of the Jigsaw Puzzle. So even though you think you're not going to do it, ultimately, you'll find yourself one cold, dark
3: night putting on that ring. Mm. Yeah. But it, Aragorn seems to find... Well, when...
2: You know he's been living his life differently, Mm -hmm. right? As a ranger, out in the land, Strider. You know, just Strider. (laughs) Strider, handsomely in in well, when he visits the elves in velvet.
1: (laughs) I don't. I mean, I think the velvet always struck me, but I recently watched uh, Blue Velvet. Oh, and so like there was just something about him being in velvet that there were lots of things to sit with.
2: Um, and he gets he gets to make the choice yes and obviously he is presented <laughs> with with a pretty tough narrative right like hey Sauron has risen all of the things you've been traumatized about are now up at the surface mm-hmm. you can't hide them anymore right and he, here is your choice you can you can you can decide not to be the king That's a choice you can make. And if you decide not to be the king,
1: like the entire world might implode. So, Well, and here now we're getting into one of the things that I have a hard time with. Mm -hmm. And that I definitely didn't strike me when I was a teenager watching this, but really struck me now. Mm -hmm. Because I have a real problem at this point in my life with the monarchy story. I know. I know Mm -hmm. it's like so much a part of the collective unconscious. It's in all these different stories. I get why it shows up. And I think it's bad for us. Mm. I think this idea that someone, some king, is going to come and do it and get it all done. I mean, first off, that never happens. It's not even what happens in Lord of the Rings. It's called the Fellowship (laughs) of the Ring. It just doesn't happen. This is one of the things I talked to PJ about in My Real Person Peter Jackson fan fiction. (laughs) He's like, I had the source material. <laughs> what was I gonna do? He did, and I think what he ends up, what he does with the source material is that he really leans into the the heroic king so mm-hmm. hard. And at least it's been a while since I've reread the books, but the last time I read them, um, I felt like there was more there was more ambiguity, and that there was definitely. Mm more e- like equal if not more time was paid to the idea of we do things together as a community each part does like does their part that they're best fitted to.
0: Mhm.
1: Well and I feel
2: like that does carry over. I I absolutely get your critique. Wait, <laughs> Thank I'm not you. I appreciate I'm not dissing your critique. <laughs> um and I I do think each character has has a role and a purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And yes, I mean king of men is that's yeah it's not great and he has the sword that commands the dead army we haven't even gotten
1: there no yet. but we will um, maybe in another podcast <laughs> but like especially there's that moment with boromir when boromir is dying and boromir does have a redemptive arc even though like all the way through when we were watching it i was messaging you like how angry i was at boromir you <laughs> like motherfucking boromir here <laughs> here's boromir again just <laughs> boroming it up um, <laughs> But then, during the last, like, you know, like, roughly 35 to 48 minutes of this almost four-hour film. <laughs> so there really is time for so many of these characters to have arcs, right. which I do love, mm-hmm. even though I'm sort of poking fun at the length. Um, in In, like, the final, I guess, maybe, like, quarter of the movie, Boromir really opens up and you see him, like, positively... And really genuinely attaching, especially to the hobbits.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's
1: that scene right after Gandalf, we think he dies, and we're mm-hmm. all just devastated.
0: Mm-hmm. We come
1: out of out of the the mines and we're all laying. The there. long duck of Moria. Mm-hmm. And and it just like the camera just like, you know, zooms in on each one of the hobbits' faces crying, and I'm crying mm-hmm. and you're crying whoever else is watching this film in the world last night, they're crying. (laughs) And Aragorn is like, we have to keep going. Buck up. And Boromir is like, come on, man. Everyone is sad. Mm -hmm. Like, give them a second.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. These look at these adorable little hobbits and they
1: just lost their sage. Mm -hmm. Like, and he was our sage. He was my sage. He was your sage. Like, we lost mm-hmm. one of our fellowship. We lost one of our friends. Like, come on. And, you know, and we'll, you know we'll get to, like, the, the heart of darkness for Boromir later on, perhaps. But <laughs> it's that moment. And then there are a couple others that he really has where mm-hmm. he gets to have that redemptive arc. And then when he's dying and Aragorn's with him, he Boromir does this thing where he's, like, pledging fealty to, like, the one true king of Gondor. Hmm. And I was just like, no, 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 come on. You're like two humans equally together. Why are we doing this hierarchy thing?
3: You don't have to pledge yeah.
1: fealty to this dude. Like you, you, you've actualized. You found your true, like yourself is leading, you mm-hmm. know, five seconds to the end. But like, you know, you did it. You did it. You had a moment to go, and you used it, <laughs> and you used it, and you and you figured it out, and now you and Aragorn can have these like four and a half more seconds, as as two equal human beings.
3: mm Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> What's coming up for me? What's coming up for me is I just I I love that moment. Mm. Um.
2: Be and and I like. Admittedly, it is. It's all it's all hierarchy and patriarchy, and these are not things I like in the real world. Mm. Um, <laughs> but there's something just beautiful about, like you you are my, you are my well, well now it feels weird to say it that you are my brother and my king.
1: The brother is beautiful, and I mm-hmm. yeah I appreciate you like going here with me, mm-hmm. and. <sighs> This is just how I see it because at this point that I'm at in my life with monarchies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's lots of, there's lots of different ways to interpret mm-hmm. things. This was just how it struck me this time. Yeah,
2: no, I get it. Um, yeah, I get it.
1: it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me in this context. Let me put something out there. And you, you yeah. see what you think about this. I do wonder if maybe part of it
3: is that Boromir is very, he's very sure of himself when we first meet him, mm-hmm. or he presents that way.
1: And if in these final moments, him acknowledging mm-hmm. Aragorn was that, like for you, as part of what made mm-hmm. that feel okay—that he had Boromir had had started at this place of thinking that he was like better than everyone else and nobility and hierarchy that it's humility that it's him Mm -hmm. showing humbleness maybe for like the first Mm -hmm. time ever right
2: like i and i i like that phrasing a lot because it is it's this is the end of his arc yeah he starts off all like oh my god it's the legacy burdens again because he well because he is the son of denethor Mm -hmm. and he is the favored son of denethor um and so, you know, he he has had all this messaging that he, you know, he is the steward of Gondor. Right. Right? Like, you, you are the heir apparent to the stewardship of Gondor. And mm-hmm. his dad isn't a humble dude. Um, no. <laughs> and so to be able to say, like, hey. Yeah i ha- I have realized that I have realized that I've been traumatized by my father.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I am, in fact, not this this cocksure Sean Bean <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a humbled Sean Bean <laughs> who will inevitably die, yeah uh, <laughs> in fact,
1: is dying right now <laughs>
2: And I see you, yeah, brother. Not just as my equal, but as like I
1: am not the top. I am not the pinnacle of the pyramid. Well, and and that's where you lose me a little bit, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And what I want to offer is mm-hmm. he only had four and a half seconds. He did not have time to say all of that. <laughs> Right. Like even I with like (laughs) with like my my like monarchy thing that's happening for me right now, which I think is justified. We have things to work on as Mm -hmm. a society and culture. Um, And part of how we do that is through our art. Mm -hmm. I can even I can recognize like that he could he's not gonna be able to do all that in four and a half seconds. How -hmm. can he use the shared symbolic language that he and Aragorn Mm -hmm. has to be able to communicate to him like I have been humbled. I see myself mm-hmm. as your equal. You are my brother. I, all that shit I did, that was real bad. Mm-hmm. I'm real sorry. That stuff with Frodo in the forest, also real bad. I'm um, so creepy. So creepy. So wrong. Things I need to work on in my next, you know, cycle around the sun. Um I'm so sorry. I really have mm-hmm. changed. Like in some ways, the the best way for him to show that he had changed was to say, mm-hmm. "You are my king." Short, beautiful, poignant. I see us as members of the community. Of the same community. Oh,
2: that's nice.
1: Yeah. Because
2: there, I mean, there'd been a lot of animosity there between them.
1: hmm
2: Well, at least, at least Boromir towards Aragorn.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Aragorn was kind of irritated with Boromir, too. He's like,
2: yeah, I have been to the White City. As <laughs> 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 a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, it's been a while,
3: but, like, yeah. <clears throat> King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but this this
2: all, this continues to go back to this, like, overarching of, like, this is all about releasing our legacy burdens. Yeah, it is. You know, Boromir's is able to say, like, this not so great stuff that denethor did i'm not i'm i'm not down with that
0: mm-hmm.
2: i'm gonna go into my next life or you know to sleep with my fathers or however they say it which is a little awkward um. yeah. symbolic <laughs> language it's challenging yeah it is challenging you know and he and he gets to go there with a with a clean conscience and an open heart mm-hmm. can't lose
1: I'm just really loving all, like, the random references we're pulling in. You know, each and every episode, it sparks a lot of joy for me. (laughs) Yeah. No, we're talking a lot about legacy burdens. And Mm -hmm. we're also in tandem with that talking about different versions of the sage archetype and how it shows up and Mm -hmm. what happens when the archetype gets in the way of you seeing the person in front of you. Right. Because if... If your sage
0: mm-hmm. is
3: your father, Denethor. Right. Woo! <clears throat> that's that's going to be challenging because it's already, you already have the father archetype
1: to contend with.
3: Mm-hmm. And now you
1: have your real life dad and Denethor is on a, on a good day. He's a challenge. So you have <laughs> your dad, Denethor. You have the father archetype plus... The sage archetype,
3: mm-hmm. which says all wise, all knowing, the guide. Hmm. Yes, go, my son, to this meeting.
0: Right.
2: Represent A- me, and and
1: can and-, <laughs> mm-hmm. and remember, you're the steward, and one day the king. Hmm. It's so hard to get any space as Boromir to question and get curious. Right right like well what do i want for my life what would i like to do what do i genuinely think about what's happening here mm-hmm. no that's mm-mm. no you're, guru. you're so weighed down by you know the guru and the legacy burdens that you're like i can you know luckily i have these broad shoulders here <laughs> i'm sean bean <laughs> <laughs> oh sean bean mm-hmm. uh- <laughs> It's just a delight. Just a delight. Well, Mm -hmm. and we haven't talked about this, but this makes me think of, uh, talking about sages. makes me think of Gladriel and one of the things that Peter Jackson Mm -hmm. did that I think was so wonderful, which is he takes, in many cases, the characters that are presented and identify as women, Mm -hmm. and he gives them something to do, (laughs) which Tolkien does not do in the written word. And mm-hmm. if you feel differently, if you are, if you feel differently, listener out there, feel free to at me on Twitter and let's be respectful. Um, but like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm here to have a conversation. Respectful with compassion. It's two humans. <laughs> um, but yeah. Like, no, I am your king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tolkien doesn't, he, he doesn't give Galadriel a lot to do. He doesn't give Arwen a lot to do. We haven't met Eowyn yet, but like she doesn't. She gets of the three, maybe like the most to do, but still pretty paltry. And so, like obviously, Cate Blanchett is a international treasure, mm-hmm. um, and she does so much. And one of the things that she that she really sits with, as they all do, all these different characters when they encounter the ring, all these characters who, in many ways, personify the sage. The ring taps into the
3: dark side of the sage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Which, um, friends, if you are new to the idea of archetypes, they have they have both light and dark sides. Mm-hmm. Just like everything in this world, right. right? I mean, you cannot have light without shadow. Like, that's that's just how light works. Um, mm. And so, that's well said. you know, the light, Right. So the light side of the sage is going to be the the sharing of knowledge mm-hmm. and the imparting of wisdom and the, you know, all this good stuff. Well, objectively good right. stuff.
1: The giver of like, you know, vaguely helpful, but also frustratingly ambiguous messages. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's most of my favorite sages.
2: <laughs> um, and then shadow side is it's all about abuse. It's abusing that power. It's using that all that information that you have to harm or to achieve your own ends, your own goals.
1: And or, well, yeah, and or if it's not outright harm, it is, it's achieving positive ends through negative means via coercion. Uh, You mean, you mean like Dumbledore? Yeah, I mean like Dumbledore. You know, some of his more his, his more questionable decisions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're very the shadow side of the sage.
0: Which is, you
1: know, like, I'm all knowing, I'm moving you around on this chessboard. And like, you know, ultimately, I think that what's going to happen is going to be for the best. And like, maybe even you look back on it and you're like, yeah, actually, I did want to end up here. But if it's all through manipulation and coercion and without with like little to no choice.
3: Mm hmm. How can that person feel good about it? Right. And so, yeah, Gladriel sits with that. She, she encounters
1: that sage archetype and sits with it and makes a decision. Ultimately, her decision is I'm not going to take the ring. Mm hmm. Saruman, he's like, maybe, maybe I can, like, you know, take it out on weekends for a test drive. <laughs> when Sauron's, you know, sleeping and closing his one eye. <laughs>
2: uh, well, I, he he wants to be he wants to be power power adjacent.
1: Yes,
3: getting high off those those vibes for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, while we're talking about
2: the ring, yes, that that brings up another sage problematic
1: sage uh bilbo baggins it's funny that you say that because i had never really considered him in the sage category i agree with you
0: mm. mm-hmm.
1: but i hadn't put him there so now i'm just gonna i'm inviting myself to sit with that and see what that's about for me
2: mm-hmm. yeah well i mean that makes sense if you because if you have read or watched the hobbit like he's not a sage he's a He's a brand new spanking hobbit just first setting out on this front stoop, right? Um,
1: <laughs> Bilbo has some of his own legacy t- stuff, too, especially around adventuring, mm-hmm. hobbits for hobbits. Mm-hmm. Adventuring is seen as mostly a negative thing to do. Mm-hmm. So too much curiosity, too much desire for spontaneity. It's looked down on. And he, ha- he makes mention in the hobbit books about other relatives who had this particular proclivity. hmm That he and he I think he makes the choice, and Frodo then makes the choice to complete this particular jigsaw puzzle. But the key there is that they choose it. They choose to lean into this adventuring legacy uh, that they've inherited. Again,
2: again, eventually. I mean, let's let's be real. Bilbo's interaction with Gandalf mm-hmm. is that's a little bit of a problematic sage thing. Gandalf is like, you need to go on this adventure. (laughs) I brought you these dwarves. You need to go. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously, ultimately, Bilbo was very happy with this. And yes, this this is now the life he wants.
1: And, you know, Um, yes, but Gandalf like pushes him in a certain direction. And yeah, and I think there's, there's some choice. There's not a ton, but there is some choice there. And then as my memory of The Hobbit is a bit murkier because I haven't read it in such a long time, mm-hmm. but definitely for Frodo, Frodo is able to then like reaffirm
3: his choice and what he wants Dobo? to do.
1: No, Frodo does. Because I don't remember uh, what Bobo okay. does as well because I haven't read The Hobbit in a long time. And yeah. I mean... He gets he gets into the adventuring eventually, I, right? I, that's my recollection. He mm-hmm. he, there comes a point where he's like, "Yeah, you know what? I do fully choose this thing." Yes, mm-hmm. and interestingly enough, I think that Gandalf experiences his own humbling when Frodo almost dies. Mm. Oh, like I've been moving around pieces yes. on the chessboard, or and... I've been I've been doing too much of too much. It hasn't been so much nudging as it has maybe as it has been pushing. And he had. Mm-hmm he had a blind spot around that. He thought, well, I'm fun, I'm this, I'm that. He did what people often do when they're in a position of power, they struggle to see how that power influences those around them
3: sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like when the boss is like let's all hang out together. And mm-hmm. they're they're
1: moving from a place of we're colleagues and they're forgetting that like I'm also the boss, and depending on the different dynamics I have with my employees, who are also my colleagues, are they maybe not going to feel like they can totally say no
3: to this invitation?
1: Um, And I, I don't know, Gandalf's awareness around that, it felt a little bit limited. It also felt like he was at a place where he's like, well, I mean, I just, I make... You know, when I, when I push people, it's for the best. They end up choosing it, just like Bilbo did. And then Frodo almost dies, and he's sitting there at Frodo's bedside. And while this happens off camera, the vibe is that he has some internal reflection that he does. Mm-hmm. And, maybe, and later on, as you see him in the movie, he's really trying to step back and give choice. Mm-hmm. And it feels really complicated when Frodo says, I will take the ring. Oh, that moment.
2: And you can just see in Gandalf's face. He's like, oh, yeah, this
3: this is the right thing. And it's so hard. Yeah. Because because no evil can turn my little hobbits.
0: Mm hmm.
2: Because
1: they are so they're so inherently good. They are. And Gandalf knew that. And that's part of why he feels like they're it's important for them to be involved. Mm hmm. And he and he probably in his own mind thought, well, like, you know, I had to send the dwarves there because otherwise Bilbo wouldn't have, he wouldn't have left. He needed to, he wanted to, but he was being penned in by these other big relational systemic forces like Hobbit culture and Hobbit society. Hobbit culture. <laughs> Hobbit core.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, my dad always described uh the welches that's his family as um
3: as hobbits. He called us a small hairy people. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't his brother an artist though? I guess
1: the hobbits yeah, are artists, but I my the way the the few the very little bit that you've talked about like your dad talking about his brother mm-hmm. it feels like they both had more of that adventurous streak in them.
2: Oh, my my dad had four siblings. Mm. He had the, the closest in age brother who's an artist. Next was a lifetime military man. Oh. Uh, next one was a doctor, just like their father, with five kids, mm. just like their father. Oh. And the youngest uh, was the
3: only girl who um, became a priest. There's a lot there. I know. You, you, have you never seen my genogram? No. Maybe you haven't.
1: mm I have not. I have not had the had the pleasure, which is odd because <laughs> we went to grad school together, but mm-hmm. uh Genogram is a
2: uh therapy family tree.
1: <laughs> yep. And you have to draw them all the time in grad all school. All the time in grad school, and it's one of the ways it's a tool that helps you start to gain awareness around what jigsaw puzzles are you holding? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is your genogram more of a boromir and aragorn or a frodo baggins type situation
2: <laughs> right well and back to back to bilbo yes um who does eventually become sage-like mm-hmm. um, in his own way i mean he's like the jokester sage he's like the <laughs> oh <laughs> he's like it's like a
1: blending it's a blending of archetypes
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and he he has a very literal burden That he passes on. Yes. And what's interesting is he doesn't want to pass
3: it. He wants to keep it. Well, part of him wants to pass it. Mm -hmm. I think. I do think part of him wants to pass it. Part of him doesn't. And and in case you hadn't picked up on all the burden
2: stuff, here is this literal (laughs) embodiment of the burden that is the ring. Um... That gets passed on to Frodo, who who didn't ask for it, who didn't want it. All he wanted was a relationship with Bilbo.
3: Yeah. Um. I mm. like I said, I saw a lot of new stuff
2: this time, but I was also rem- reminded of why I so often use the metaphor of Lord of the Rings to talk about trauma and and most especially about addiction. Hmm. Yeah. Um
3: because the the ring is yeah. just a ring. Right. But what the ring does to you? Sure. You know, it it yeah. It changes you. It's a and it's a burden. Right.
2: And I've mm. used that a lot with folks who feel really shamey and awful about uh about using drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And just like, hey,
3: that's what the ring does. It 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 corrupts. It like it is just, it is just a little piece of gold. But it it's it's damaging.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It hurts. It hurts you, mm-hmm. and ultimately
2: the people around you. But you know, right. Th-
1: it's not your fault that the ring came to you. Right. And it's, it's interesting the way the way I'm hearing you say it right now as I'm listening to mm-hmm. you. This idea of it's just a ring. Because mm-hmm. that's such a wonder. I mean, it, that's one of the central paradoxes. That mm-hmm. it is both just a piece of gold. And yet,
3: so much has been, it's been imbued mm-hmm. with so much power. Mm-hmm. It's almost
1: like it has like, it's like a direct vein into the collective unconscious. And that then that that's too much. It's too potent. And it, what it brings out is just all of this unresolved tension and conflict. And it, which reminds me a lot of, I know you haven't played this video game, but in case listeners have the video game control, which does a lot with Jungian archetypes and the collective unconscious um, mm-hmm. It has basically the Bureau of Control is it, it's the idea of the game is what if there was a government agency that was tracking down artifacts of the collective unconscious hmm. that tapped into like archetypes and powers of the collective unconscious. And like that was all a real thing.
0: Mm hmm.
1: And this government entity was like trying to basically police it and control it. Um, And so, so there's this, the concept in the video game of an object of power Mm. and this object of power has been imbued with some specific archetype of the collective unconscious. And when it comes into the mortal world, it's too much. and It's overwhelming. And it just triggers all of this problematic stuff for people.
2: Last but not least, as we're, moving towards closing um the the final sage we're going to talk about today is is elrond elven king (laughs) i say it like that because he bothers me
1: yeah me too
2: and not just because he was in the matrix yeah um but really it is very hard for me to watch him and
1: not picture him saying, Mr. Anderson. No, me too. Yeah. I can't see him as anything other than menacing. <laughs> and I know that. <laughs> right? He's been he's been Red
2: Skull. Hugo <laughs> Weaving's a great actor. Um, but yeah, he just always seems a little bit creepy, a little bit sus. Yeah. Like what's what's Elrond up to?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's as you were saying that I was thinking of Boromir again, but like that's part of why casting Sean Bean was so great because Boromir (laughs) has all these problematic moments and these problematic beats. But because he's played by Sean Bean, who exudes (laughs) this like kindness, Mm -hmm. it made me as a viewer like stay with him, be like, there's got to be something more happening here. But the trouble with Hugo Weaving as Elrond is that. It's almost like the match is too perfect, like it doesn't, I, as a viewer, I'm like, oh yeah, he's vaguely menacing, he doesn't like Aragorn, he's an overproductive dad. He's like <laughs> done with the whole like human thing. There's not enough layers there, there's not enough mystery to him.
0: hmm
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way to put it. Like he
2: does seem, he doesn't seem multifaceted <laughs> for a creature that's been alive for millennia.
1: Right. He seems oddly one note.
3: <laughs> like, wh- why uh, are
2: you being like this? You've yeah. been alive forever. It's like um, you and I have have talked on many occasions about like what what would one do with Eternity? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like what what Papa Hugo Elf did with <laughs> Eternity is like get real fucking jaded.
1: <laughs> but like not even in a nuanced way. <laughs> just like in a in a crabby way mm-hmm. and as i as i said that out loud i had like like joseph campbell in in my ear um because like i grew up watching the power of myth and so it just like his voice will forever be a voice that's with me mm-hmm. and i i have him like saying so i'm I'm remembering what he said or i thought he said regardless it's in his voice um mm-hmm. that one of the things that's true about guides on the hero's journey is that they're not, they're often kind of mean to you. Mm. You know, there are those guides that are like nice and friendly and helpful, but then there are, and but, but then there's often guides who are, you know, salty or crabby or mercurial. Mm. You know, they, they, they do something that like sparks ire in you and then that is part of what moves you forth. Mm. and I think El- I think there's some of that in Elrond, like in terms of like how he channels the sage. He's he is hitting on that one note, that note of like the crabby sage <laughs> who, who looks that. at Aragorn and is like, get on with it already. You're gonna be the king of Gondor. Stop whining. <laughs> right. You know I think men are the worst, but just like uh, do it already. <laughs> Also, oh, my God, leave my daughter alone. Yeah. She's too old for you. Right. Like he, and, like, Aragorn keeps coming to him being like, have you changed your mind? And Aragorn's like, no. No, you know how I feel about this. Stop asking me. It feels like you're pushing my boundaries.
2: <laughs> you, you are a human, which means you are essentially a child, no matter what age you are, because we have been alive forever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it definitely does put a twist on the the fated love of aragorn and arwen being an adult and watching or reading these these stories.
2: Mhm. Well, and it's it's funny because it, I've just started doing this with like vampire lore mm-hmm. too. And oh, it's so uncomfortable once you start putting that together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is worse, obviously, because the elves, I mean it's like thousands and thousands of years. Usually with vampires, it's like you're in the hundreds, right? <laughs> um
1: right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was um it- <laughs> No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say like could you imagine being a 2000-year-old being? And oh, interesting. Interesting. I'm um
3: What's happening? Depending,
2: for you? Uh, friends at home. Depending on your belief system, this might not land. Mm. But you ever meet somebody and you're just like they're an old soul.
1: Yes, like they've
2: they've lived a few <laughs> lives. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been around. Yes, and then you meet someone and you're like they're new, like fresh out the package. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes me wonder, like is this an old soul situation? Sure. Or, or is both Elrond and... Is, is Arwen...
1: Mm, not, that's that's going to get into some creepy shit. but like, Yeah, it is. We're getting a note from our producer who wants to just put out there that he thinks that part of how Lord of the Rings avoids this problematic issue of age <laughs> is that, especially in the movies, it's pretty sexless. Like, there's not a lot of heat <laughs> that's, that's happening no, here There's no sizzle in middle earth that's other no, than in mordor right there's not a lot of sizzle and i would say that like for me that's mostly true like i definitely feel some sizzle when aragorn's walking around in his velvet outfit when he and arwen are together though for whatever reason that doesn't bring the heat for me but you know what does is legolas and gimli I really see them together. I don't know why I always have, but I always have. Even when I was a teenager, I was like, those two, yes. I want more of that.
2: I mean, you are are not alone. (laughs) If you got out on AO3 right now, you could... You could find my people. You could find find your people. I always shipped uh, Legolas with Aragorn. I thought they Mm. were more meant to be, you know, like... Aragorn knows Legolas' culture already. And so there wouldn't be as much of an issue bringing him home to, you know, whoever Legolas's family is. Mhm. And, <laughs> and- <laughs> they
1: both like velvet. <clears throat> uh- <laughs> sure, they do. I think what shifted it for me and this is totally just in the movies is that the actor who's portraying Gimli is doing such an amazing job. Like that man deserves Reese Davies so he, and also I learned that he was really allergic to all of the makeup and was like in physical, not just discomfort, but like peril. because i it'd be like, no. if I, if I had some sort of job where I had to like cover myself in mold
3: <laughs> and then I had to
1: go to work for like eight hours, that's what he had to do. Mm-hmm. And somehow he still gives this amazingly beautiful heartfelt performance and I hope I'm not going to offend anyone by saying this. If I am, I'm sorry. Um, This is just my, uh, this is just like my interpretation. All interpretations are valid. Yes, all interpretations are valid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I find Orlando Bloom to be wooden as Legolas. I don't find him doing very much at all in the acting department, except when he's on screen with Gimli, because I think Gimli is doing so much... That Orlando cannot help but start to register some human reactions.
2: Mm, I don't disagree, but I disagree with how it makes me feel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair, too. Well, so when, when I was in the theater, um, <laughs> I, I was in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, my God. Who were you? I was first fairy. Okay, so I I had the scene with um, with uh, Tuck, Pick Puck. Puck, you would have oh been God, a great it's been Puck. So long. I right now I would be a great Puck. Yes, you would. Um, but back in the day, my um, uh, my very good friend who lived down the street, Amy Brown, was Puck. Okay, um, and we had a scene together, and <laughs> we we had this whole like acting training workshop about how to create the personality of the fairies like what was what was the fairy mood gonna be like how right you know how are our bodies gonna move and how are we gonna talk and like what is basically what's the what's the sociological and psychological makeup of these fairies, right? And I feel like when I watch Lord of the Rings, I can see how they did that. And they're oh. like, you're all going to stand up like this. Oh. And like when you watch Galadriel walk down the stairs and like she walks in this very particular way that's that's non-human like. Um, and I feel like, and maybe I'm giving Orlando too much credit, but I feel like he's doing the fairy thing. Like, we stand up straight, we don't emote much, we, you know.
3: I think you're right. And if anything, now this is something that I can <laughs> – or when I meet – real life. <laughs> so we can have a conversation about how I think that direction, they, like,
1: over-directed Orlando. Mm. I think that – I think – because as soon as you said that, I was like, you know what? Absolutely. And that's why he reads as wooden to me because they told him to do it so much – that whatever mm-hmm. his interpretation of Legolas was got lost.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At least in the right, first, they one. were like, "Stand up, stand up more straight. Have no facial <laughs>
1: expression." <laughs> right? Do see Hugo weaving? Do more of what he's doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm picturing them all in the fairy workshop. Oh my god! Yes. With whoever their their fairy body choreographer is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's so great that was wonderful insight thank you (laughs) i'm just so pleased that that my years of performance have not been lost no no absolutely not they continue to bear fruit if you will
2: (laughs) Um, if i can find a picture from that performance i will post it because i do have a couple still (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful of me in my tie-dyed tights and leotard.
1: I just love that. <clears throat> <laughs> and you know part of why I love it? When I was very young, I was really into these books by Noel Stretfield called The Shoes mm-hmm. Books. Oh, I've heard of The Shoes Books. F- Maybe from you. <laughs> Maybe from me. Um, hopefully from me. And my favorite is one called, the one called ba- Ballet Shoes. And it's about three adopted yes, siblings. I have heard this- <laughs> You. <laughs> Pauline Petrova and Posey spoiler alert I always identified with Petrova but I loved reading about the other two because they were really mm-hmm. good at the theater and this was something that like Petrova I was like I'm certain I could not do this um but if if like forced I could become proficient and there's mm-hmm. this whole section where they do uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and pauline and petrova petrova's mustard seed and pauline is peace blossom and they do they have to go to like fairy camp and they have to move their arms and petrova's not good at it and so like after hours she and pauline have to practice
3: together (laughs) oh my god yeah fairy camp fairy camp gotta love it Well, this was great. This was great. We have gone so many places. We've pulled in so many different kinds of fandoms,
1: some that I just never <laughs> could have predicted. And I'm, I'm really pleased with all of this. Well, you know what? That's, that's the power of this podcast. <laughs> <It's>,
2: it sure <laughs> is.
1: <laughs> so as we are winding down this very, I mean, this was a longer ep, but that was befitting the material.
2: all kind of long now we really
1: we've come a long way from 14 minutes god that's true for those of you've who been with us from the beginning we appreciate you thank you (laughs) and yeah 14 minutes 14 minutes when like it was all scripted Mm -hmm. and now we like do you know i don't know like minute three tops and it's we just go um Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about many things in our podcast today, some of which we planned on, some of many of which we did not. And it's Mm -hmm. one of those sort of like rich tapestry podcasts. And the name of this rich tapestry would be Sages. And the invitation Mm -hmm. would be that, you know, take what works and let the rest just be here. You Mm -hmm. know, there are no jigsaw puzzles that you need to take home with you and complete. Take any parts of this journey that we just took together that resonated with you and that maybe felt helpful or funny or whimsical.
0: Yeah.
2: I, w- I would invite folks to just kind of tune in a little bit, mm-hmm. like notice as you're going about life and especially this time of year, there tends to be a lot of interaction with families, which obviously with the pandemic, we're not doing that in person, but we're still probably having more interaction with family than we do on a, mm-hmm. a regular basis and just you know noticing what's coming up and what gets triggered in you and like hey did that just poke a puzzle piece yeah that i didn't realize was there um and likewise paying attention to to those folks in in your family or in your circle who are considered to be the sages and how, you know how do you feel about them and The purpose of this is not to like pull all idols down off their couches, Um, but (laughs) that's that's a Bikram Chowdhury reference. We'll do a Bikram app sometime. Um,
3: That would be great.
2: Yeah. But, you know, are there people in your family or in your circle who are who are listened to without question?
3: Mm -hmm. And maybe
2: just get curious about it. Yeah. Like, I notice that when Aunt Susan says something, we all go with it. Right. Because Aunt Susan's the matriarch. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting thing to notice. How do you feel about Aunt Susan being completely unquestioned?
1: And, you know, even if you're not at a place where you're like, let's stage a whole sort of some sort of like family intervention, it doesn't have to look that big. It could doesn't have to. It could simply be that, oh, huh, people do tend to follow wherever Aunt Susan leads. The next time that she's leading us somewhere. I can use that as an invitation internally to pause and ask myself.
3: Do I want to stay in the family Zoom call for an hour? Mm hmm or do I not? Right. And you get to have choice. Mm-hmm. You get to say, I can only be on this the
2: call for 20 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they might be like, "But, but, but."
3: That yeah, that's okay. i mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm doing something different now, so just be aware. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um,
2: all right, what are some of the terms we talked about today, if folks are interested in learning more?
1: Um, we talked, no surprise here, about internal family systems and legacy burdens. We talked about mm-hmm. archetypes, the collective unconscious, um, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Sabina Spielerin, and everyone's favorite, Joseph Campbell. Um, dipped a toe
3: in psychoanalysis. Talked about the hero's journey. Talked about transgenerational trauma. oh we brought up marie bowen we talked about marie bowen you know (laughs) marie he
1: he is a sage of marriage and family therapy oh he totally is and you know like like any sage truly a complicated one have i finished any more of his one and only book friends no but you know there's still time (laughs) there's all the time in the world (laughs) you have more time than boromir
2: um. So, for fandoms, we stuck pretty firmly into Lord of the Rings, except when we didn't. Uh, well said. <laughs> we, uh, we we brought up Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. and uh, a few of Hugo Weaving's movies, so The Matrix and uh, Captain America. We sure did. Uh, the first Avenger <laughs> when he was Red Skull. Yeah. Um. Talked about and... the shoes books. I wonder if their sales have gone
1: up since we've started mentioning them. I mean, that would be exciting. I would hope that for them. They are delightful
3: books. What about shoes? about <laughs> shoes? Who doesn't love a good pair of <laughs> shoes? Oh. <laughs> all
0: right.
1: Uh, I think that's all the fandoms. I, at least. I mean, there were a couple more, but th- those will just be fun Easter eggs. Easter eggs! Mm-hmm. Alright.
2: We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. He a shade into Mordor. Join us for our next app Gaming Together! Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. You know, friends, it is the season of giving. And if you haven't given us a review on Apple iTunes, that is, that is the gift we're asking for this holiday season. <laughs> Just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fanfiction to Rewrite Your Life, is now available for pre-order from your favorite booksellers. So again, for this holiday season, order yourself a copy, or two, or three, and share the news with your social networks. And as
3: always, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.